Well, hello and welcome to Halt the Harm podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clover, and this is the introductory issue, so I'm joined by two of the core organizers from Halt the Harm Network, Don Artiaga and Marty Kearns. Then Sam Rubright from Frack Tracker will join me. More on that in a minute. I'm so excited about these first few episodes of the podcast. See, we're releasing this podcast at the same time as Frack Tracker Alliance hosts their Community Sentinel Awards. They're honoring three grassroots activists for their work defending their communities from the oil and gas industry. So the first couple episodes feature in-depth conversation with the award recipients. This is both a gesture to our friends at Frack Tracker, but also an opportunity to hear from some pretty awesome people in our movement. I'm really excited to share that with you. But uh, before we get into that, let's bring Don and Marty in so we can tell you more about the podcast and what to expect. I'm Vice President at Net Centric Campaigns and really excited to be working with all the inspiring leaders on the Halt the Harm Network. Hi, I'm Marty Kearns. I'm the founder of Net Centric Campaigns and I've been uh, involved in the Halt the Harm Network uh, project right from the beginning. Great. So, can you briefly describe what Halt the Harm is? Sure. So, Halt the Harm Network is a national network set up to uh, support people organizing others, which we call leaders, people organizing others, to stop the harms from fracking and gas development. And we do our work basically by serving leaders, uh, giving them access to uh, services that they need to be able to do their work. And then if they're using those services, we learn more about them and we try and connect them to each other. So. The primary goal is to connect leaders to each other, and the way that we do it is by offering them service and support in their own efforts. Yeah, and I would I would just add that our goal is really not to give anyone more work to do by being part of a network, but by helping ease their load. Because as we get to know these amazing people, organizing others, um, fighting the, the harms of fracking, we're really finding that they just... Um, need some extra support and encouragement. Sometimes it's by easing their workload or giving them tools that help streamline their work. And sometimes it's showing that there's a, a bigger network of people out there that are supporting them and encouraging them and grateful for their um, their toils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know just for myself, when I first heard about it, when I went to the halttheharm.net, when I went to your website, it was amazing just to see all the services available. I mean, this is not something that we had in our toolbox, uh, you know, a few years ago. So this is this is fantastic. Um, yeah, and it's you know we're we're always trying to add new services. Right now, I think we're about at eight services um, this year. We've really counted on the leaders suggesting new ideas and giving us feedback on the things that we had started and how to make sure that they were really providing value. Um, so all the services that we have now are either ideas from multiple leaders or <laughs> developed in collaboration with them. We have a lot of leaders like yourself, Brian, working on services and, um, it's, it's very much a team effort. It's certainly not something that we're just, you know, sitting in our, in a tower coming up with it's very much um, all the people working together on these. Yeah. When we, when we first started, so um, 
I grew up in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and grew up uh, as a Boy Scout, went out the world in State Park all the time, and um, hiked the Loyal Sauk Trail, and spent a lot of time on rivers and, and lakes up in, in uh, northwest and central PA. And, you know, really got, got into the fracking. I still family all over the state, we travel up there quite a bit. And really started to see how fracking and gas development was changing the landscape. And I started talking with some some folks, and you know what we do at the Net Center campaigns is we build networks of people in order to move policy change forward. So the place where we can contribute, not being the policy experts, was was looking at how do we network folks together who are working on such a wide variety of issues, from everything from trafficking to pipelines to um, well placement to public health threats um, to the intimidation that that industry feel you know is, is bearing down on these these small communities because they want to get the gas underneath them. So we did we started off instead of coming up with any kind of big national campaign we started off um, getting some support uh, to do a, a bunch of interviews about 30 or 40 interviews with different leaders trying to figure out where are the gaps between groups? The assumption is that everybody's working really hard and advancing their own work has great set of projects, but there were probably gaps between them and big, complex, often contentious movements. You know, they they do get splintered and they there is tension there. And we wanted to be intentional about connecting those leaders to each other. So we did this interview process and from that is where we started. Uh, we started to say, look, there needs to be a way when new reports or new public health information or new grants or new opportunities come together that can quickly get across the field. That it shouldn't just be, you know, one organization or one one uh, policy position. But there are lots of things that that unite us more than divide us, and that's what Halt the Harm Network is, is built around. So it was built interviewing folks, finding out what they do and what the gap were between their work, and then trying to find ways to get them more services and connect them to each other. And for the last three years, that's been our, our big focus on the Health of Harm Network, going from just a handful of leaders who kind of jumped on early uh, because they believed in the vision to now close to 500 leaders and thousands of supporters uh, will support them and, you know, Don said new services coming online all the time. I just think of the value of going to a conference or something because this kind of work is really hard and especially like I live in a small town and it's it's hard to organize in a small town and, you know, I find for myself and I know other people in, in this movement as well like might feel hesitant identifying themselves as leaders um, but if if you're someone that sees a problem and you're taking action and and trying to mobilize and do something about it, then that's that's leadership and leadership is service. And um, you know, just to think of going to a conference and how empowering it is to connect with people and see what other people are doing and learn from other people's um, campaigns. And uh, this this network, you know, serves that function in so many ways. It gives us a directory. It gives us campaign support um there's the there's you know the webinar series there's um there's just a, a lot a lot to to read about uh just go to healththeharm.net it's right on the home page you can actually scroll down and see all the different services so i definitely encourage everybody listening to to check that out 
Um, and uh, real quick, I just wanted to talk about the podcast for a moment. Uh, what excites you, Marty and Don, about the about having a, a podcast, like creating uh, conversations amongst the network? Thanks, Brian. Well, you know, I think the thing that I'm most excited about is getting to know the people in the movement more richly. You know, in a network of people, the thing that's important is all the complex things that make us who we are and make us passionate about this work. And it's never as simple as a logo or a title or, you know, even a resume. It's um, it's much more complex than that. And, and as Marty said, this movement is made up of people that this is a personal fight. This is their backyard. This is their children. This is their health and their loved one's health. And getting into the heart behind the movement is what gets me excited. And I think the podcast series is really going to help um, uncover some of the beautiful stories that make people's fights so personal and so meaningful. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I am always um, inspired to work harder uh, as, I, as I go to, you know, zoning board hearing or you drive an hour and sit there for a three-hour meeting just so you can grab a cup of coffee with someone after and recognize what their, what their story is. But not everybody has the opportunity to do that. You know, we're, we're kind of responsible to do that that's what what we work hard to to get at and i think i hope that the podcast brings that feel with it and gets people to understand how inspiring uh each other's fight is and each other's struggle is and it it you know bears witness to the kinds of of heroic activity that that often when you're in the middle of a slogged out fight with some, you know, landman or some company, it doesn't feel heroic. But when you step back from that and you know that you've got, uh, you know, the hundreds of other people that are part of the network who are also doing the same kind of thing in their communities, I think that is, that is what bonds us together more. So I'm, I'm excited to have, uh, you know, to, to meet new people in the podcast that I haven't met. Um, to, you know, have that same kind of connection uh, and to and, and see the interviews of some of the people that I know are so inspiring get out there and, and to have you talk with them and kind of bring their stories out to the other leaders because the only way we're going to solve this is, is by um, building the muscles to be able to collaborate and work together. And I still, I think one of the biggest things behind that is trust and the way that you come to trust people is to hear their stories. So, I'm, I, I actually think that this podcast is really important and really strategic and should be very inspiring uh, for, for everyone who listens, myself included. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm so honored that I can be part of these conversations because, I mean, I've, so I've interviewed a, a few people so far, I think about five. Um, and the first two are going, are, are both recipients of the Frack Tracker Alliance Community Sentinel Awards. So, um, really excited to present those first two interviews, but I mean, for me, it's like this is such an honor. I'm <laughs> because of this podcast, I'm getting to talk to people and really listen to their stories. And and I'm a big podcast listener. That's how I how I started this. I I listen to podcasts because I I've always loved radio, but I like how with podcasts I can really listen from start to finish to a long conversation. It's not really restricted by 
the sort of time posts that radio usually has. So it can kind of meander a little bit. And I'll be like washing dishes or doing chores and just listening in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to share yeah. that with everybody else, too, and, and to be able to have some of these conversations. Well, and this might be the only chance that uh, in the podcast series that someone else will toot your horn, Brian, but we're so honored you're doing this. <laughs> I think we've been we've been working together for a few months until we realized you're a famous bluegrass artist, and I love your music, and I'm so happy that you're participating in this, and I hope you will share some of your music with us on the podcast series, too. So if we don't... I- I hope all the listeners will start clamoring to hear more of Ryan singing and playing, <laughs> <laughs> playing for us all. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> we are gonna. We are uh, featuring an interview with a with a rock, sort of country rock musician in Nashville, who did a pipeline survey, nice. and really excited. Uh, you know. This is a, just a fantastic story, but also he shares some really practical ways to challenge the pipeline industry. I'm talking about Mike Younger, by the way. So I don't leave everybody hanging. The first couple episodes are going to be with Alma Hassey from Idaho. Um, Alma has has an incredible story. She moved to Idaho. She, uh, you know, considered herself to be conservative and was moving to a conservative state and uh, feeling. Uh, excited about that, and what she found was the the corruption of industry in this in her county, Payette County, where she lives, as the epicenter of oil and gas, uh, disturbed her so much that she became active, and she was actually arrested for speaking out at a public hearing, which really galvanized her. And as a grandmother, uh, you know, she she started to dedicate the, her life to to confronting this industry. So that's an incredible episode. And then the, the next one after that is with Alex Latordo from Pennsylvania, who actually started his organizing uh, with as a labor activist and got involved with, uh, with fracking issues by connecting with families in Dimmick, Pennsylvania, and really working with, um, with a campaign to, um, to support uh, people in, in Dimmick and, and folks listening have probably heard of Dimmick, Pennsylvania, because that's uh, the place that was featured in, in movies like Gasland. And, um, right. you know, Alex brings a lot of perspective and experience working with uh, Energy Justice Network and uh, and um, is also involved with Halt the Harm. So, yeah, excited about the first two episodes. I've never heard anybody say, well, I started this and thought it would be fun to get in, you know, lock horns with a multi-billion dollar industry. (laughs) Like, no matter where they are in a political spectrum, no matter what their experience was before getting into this, you know, I think, I think that reality that, that, you know, all of us would rather be doing something else. All of us would rather not have this problem, be working on other parts of the justice agenda or, work on other kinds of, of children's health issues, you know, and, and other issues. But the reality is this one is is really setting up pipelines and well pads and flaring off stuff right in people's backyards within within side of their house, within hearing distance of their bedrooms, within their air sheds. And the people who live next door are often feeling powerless and steamrolled by this industry. And that story is what inspires 
people to get more involved. You know, they know that it's true. They know this big industry is trying to turn, you know, uh, it's profit from the gas underneath where people live and they really don't care about the the, the surface dwellers. (laughs) You know, it, 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 it is part of that being in that pulled into this, this effort that uh, everyone everyone that I've met is, is kind of, you know, that, that's a common thread. They might have a lot of different ideas, you know, do we, do we want to have a band? Do we want to leave it in the ground? Do we, do, you know, what's the next step to, to, to regulate? Where should the pipelines go? Where shouldn't they go? All those kinds of things. You know, what kind of new energy should we have? There's a lot of differences of opinions and, and really that's good and it's healthy and we need a lot of different strategies in order to advance the work. What, what we also need is we need to make sure that when that tension arises that we're, we're focusing on the fact that nobody wants to be doing this, but there's so many better ways that we could be spending our time, but we're, 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 we're pulled into this fight with the gas industry because so often they just ignore people in the community and ignore the public health impact because they're interested in, in, the, in profits. That is such a good point, and that's a theme that's come up in every single conversation I've had so far. Yeah. Thanks, Sam Ryan. We're really excited for this, and I can't wait to hear all of the uh, all of the interviews. And um, you know, anytime we can connect you with folks, we'd be glad to do it. Thank you so much for your focus on this. Yeah, thank you. We can't wait. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Don and Marty, for for jumping on here for the welcome episode, and we'll definitely. Uh, I plan on hearing from you again in the future. <laughs> Great. Your biggest listeners. <laughs> All right. I'll try to do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Well, that was cool checking in with Marty and Don from Health the Harm Network. Now let's turn to Sam Rubright who is going to share a little bit more about Frack Tracker Alliance and the coming Community Sentinel Awards. She's the Manager of Communication and Partnerships with Frack Tracker Alliance. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Cool. Thanks for taking a minute to chat with me. I'm hoping that we can share with everybody what Frack Tracker Alliance is, um, you know, just a little background, but also about the Community Sentinel Awards. Oh, yeah, no problem. As you know, the first few episodes of our podcast featured recipients of the awards. So glad to have you here to share a little bit of that background. Frack Tracker started in 2012, um, but we actually started earlier than that as a website in 2010. Um, and our mission is to study, map, and communicate the risks of oil and gas development and support renewable energies. And so one of the reasons that we kind of took on um, launching this award with various partners was because we, we recognize that there are, you know, we're a small staff and a lot of nonprofits and a lot of environmental organizations are working with very small staff. Um, but the, the impacts of oil and gas development are, are visible across the U.S. Uh, you know, this isn't located just in the shale plates. You know, you've got pipelines and infrastructure expanding well beyond the, the well pads. Um, and we wanted to recognize the, the thousands of people, volunteers who work in their communities um, to document and address the effects that they were seeing from this very broad industry. Um, and so in 2015, we started the award. They, it's 
called the Community Sentinel Award for Environmental Stewardship. And so this is our second year. Um, and in this year, we received 20, 20 different people received nominations, some of them multiple nominations from their peers uh, to receive this award. And it's dedicated to people who are conducting environmental stewardship around oil and gas drilling and extraction in general. Um, it's judged by, this year it's judged by um, six representatives from different organizations working on energy issues in the U.S. And uh, the award recipients are Omaha's Alex Latorto and Vera Scroggins. And they're going to be actually accepting their award at a reception we're hosting on Thursday, September 8th at the Mott House in Washington, D.C. Um, and this year's award partners are Americans Against Fracking, Earthworks, Frack Tracker, the Halt Farm Network, and Stop the Frack Attack. And I guess we should probably also thank our, um, our award sponsors. Without them, this would not be possible. Uh, the 11th Hour Project and Park Foundation, as well as event um, product sponsors, Armstrong Valley Winery, Lacanitas, and Troves. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for giving some background there. Can you tell me a little more about the tools that Frack Tracker provides and how people that are doing community organizing right now around um, fracking issues can use Frack Tracker to support their work? Well, absolutely. So we have a number of tools. I guess the best way to think of Frack Tracker is a resource for other advocates, researchers, reporters who want to learn more about drilling near them. Um, so we got started because oil and gas data was really hard to find and even harder to visualize, uh, to provide on a map. And so we realized that there was a, a need there. Um, we provide over, oh goodness, 36 different states have extraction activities that we've mapped. Um, many more are, we're going to be doing more mapping on. But essentially we show where drilling is occurring. We've mapped where pipelines are being proposed as well as installed. Um, we've looked at the paths of oil trains and, and what cities they go through in the populations that might be at risk if something were to happen with one of those trains. Um, so we have a lot of maps on our website um, and a, a ton of um, analyses that are sort of built around these maps to understand sort of the risks associated with some of these activities. Um, we also provide, we have a, a mobile app that you can download for free for iPhone and Android. And that um, is essentially showing a map of all documented wells um, that are active in the United States right now. And so it's geolocated based on your location. So you can see um, if you're driving down the roadway or you um, are hiking and you want to understand more about the kind of activity that you're seeing near you, uh, you can stop and look at the map um, that is on the app. But you can also submit reports and photos that sort of help other people understand what's going on. You know, maybe they don't understand that that's a compressor station or they want to see who operates that specific well pad that's, um, you know, in their area. So the app is a way for people to get involved with tracking fracking as opposed to just the nine staff that we have um, providing maps kind of from the top down. That's amazing. It's, it's incredible, the resource that you're providing, doing all that data collection and making it so accessible for us. Thank you so much, Sam, for coming on. And uh, for everybody listening, check out fracktracker.org. Thank you, Ryan. It was a pleasure. And that wraps up the welcome episode for Health the Harm Network podcast. 
So, welcome. You heard from Don Artiaga and Marty Kearns talking about Halt the Harm Network and uh, the podcast a little bit. And then Sam Rubright about the Frack Tracker Alliance and the upcoming Community Sentinel Awards. I'm so excited about the next two episodes, Alma Hassi and Alex Latorto sharing their stories. And then we're going to open it up to more leaders in the Halt the Harm Network. This is really going to be the place where we share uh, those conversations about what struggles we have with our work, what motivates us to keep going, and what have been some of our successes and failures. I'm just going to say failure because that's not a bad word. That's how we learn. That's how we that's how we move through things. It's how we grow. And uh, and this podcast is a place for those types of conversations. So I invite you to find out more about the podcast as well by checking out the show notes. And I invite you as well to subscribe and leave a rating to help other people find out more about this. And finally, check out haltheharm.net. There you can find out about all the services and the tools available to members of the network and you can sign up. So check it out. And so that's it. I'm Ryan Clover. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.